We will be in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 today as we take a look at the beginning of wisdom, how we have understanding. Uh, This proverb, Proverb 9, verse 10, isn't the first place that we have this idea, nor is it uh, the last one, but I felt, uh, as opposed to say, for instance, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, where we are told the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction, that is good and true, but I felt like 9.10 gave us more positive things to focus on, as opposed to the contrast of the wise and the foolish. Go ahead and look at Proverbs 9, 10 again together, and uh, I'll invite you to recite this with me, and then we'll take a few of the words away, and we'll recite it again, and then we'll take a few more of the big words away, and maybe it'll start uh, working its way into our minds and our hearts as we begin. Let's say this together, shall we? Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. All right, so we'll take away some of, the, some of the words. We'll leave some of the bigger ones there so we don't go too fast. Let's say this together again now. Proverbs 9, 10. The be- the <laughs> I goofed it up, didn't I? All right, all right, sorry. I saw the beginning under there. I shouldn't look. I should just do it out of my memory. That's funny. Okay, here we go. Ready? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. All right, that that tripped me up. Let's just get rid of it. Now, beginning won't trip me up there. All right, one more time. Let's say it together, shall we? Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. All right, good job. Very good. You all are doing great. And I I do hope that going over these and reflecting on them throughout the week is blessing you and benefiting you. I, uh, I grew up with not necessarily a love of the Proverbs. I've developed a love of the Proverbs. But I grew up with the Proverbs ever present, as I've shared many times in the past. My dad read a proverb a day and encouraged us as kids, to read a proverb a day. And if you will pick up the book of Proverbs on the 1st of March and read chapter 1, and every day you read the chapter that corresponds with that day's date, by March 31st, you can read through the entire book. And he would do that every month. Obviously, some months, like February, you have to do a little extra work that last day. Uh, And I struggled with that, and I wrestled with it, but I've finally gotten to the point where I have a love for and an appreciation of Proverbs, and I, I do that practice. Every month, I read a proverb a day, and I let it sink in, and I think about it, the whole chapter. And, and, and every time we come back through Proverbs, it's, it's, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh I need to remember that one. Oh, I should write that one down somewhere. And sometimes it's, you're just looking forward to it, but other times new things jump out at you. And throughout the book of Proverbs, there is this focus on wisdom. In fact, chapter 9 is a chapter about wisdom and has just followed on chapter 8, which is wisdom talking to us as the believer. 
What does wisdom bring to us? And how do we find wisdom? And where is wisdom? And how long has wisdom existed? Chapter 9 is a contrast between wisdom and then a woman of foolishness. And I, and I, I think it's interesting that in the Proverbs, wisdom is a feminine. Wisdom is contrasted with the adulterous woman. The woman who would lead us to orgies and to sensual delights. Wisdom comes forward as a woman who will lead us in knowledge to the Lord. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her pillars. She has prepared her food. She wants to help us because the fact of the matter is, is we are foolish human beings. And if we are left to our own devices, we will continue on in our foolishness. We need wisdom. And what Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 tells us in the middle of this, before we switch gears and go to the, the woman of folly who leads us into the paths of destruction, we are told in verse 10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And that's why I've called this sermon title Foundation. Because the foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. When it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it means that there is no wisdom without first establishing and having in your life the fear of the Lord. That there is no wisdom apart from having the fear of the Lord. That if we do not fear God, it doesn't matter what other bright ideas we have, and some of them may be very bright. It doesn't matter what other knowledge we receive, it will be built on a poor foundation. And when you build on a poor foundation, the structure is not solid. It will not stand. And that's the focus here is that, that before we can have wisdom, before we can grow in wisdom, first we must acknowledge that it is established on the fear of the Lord. Now, what do we mean by the, the fear of the Lord? You know, there are so many times in the Bible where an angel will show up, and what does he say? Fear not. And similar, although he doesn't use the word fear, but God, when he was talking to Joshua, as he was getting ready to go into the promised land, he said, be of great courage. In other words, don't be afraid about what you're about to do. Because we are told so often in Scripture not to be afraid, don't be afraid of the world, don't be afraid of those powers that can kill us, don't be afraid when you see an angelic minister. Why then are we encouraged to fear the Lord? And the answer is because there is good fear and there is bad fear. And there is fear that we should have. There is healthy fear. And then there is fear that tempts us and takes us in the wrong paths. I think of Adam in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, or Garden of Gethsemane, Garden of Eden. Man, I'm all over the place today. I'm just messed up. In the Garden of Eden, Adam uh, heard the sound of the Lord walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and he hid himself. And when God said, where are you? Why have you hidden himself? He said, I heard you, and I was afraid because I was naked. You know, 
Sometimes we are afraid of God and not in the right way. We are afraid of Him because of our sin. We are afraid to go to Him. We are afraid to be with Him because of our sinfulness and because of our wickedness. That is not the fear that He is talking about. He isn't talking about a fear that would have us leave Him and depart from Him. That's not a healthy fear. A fear that is afraid of the world powers around us is not a healthy fear. If we look back over the last two years, I would say a lot of decisions have been made based on fear. Almost every decision made in the world, actually, probably, is made on fear. Some, some are made on, I think this is going to be a good thing, it's going to help us, I grant you that, but most of the decisions politicians make have within them fear. The fear of not being reelected. And then the focus becomes not on what is the right course of action, what is the good thing for the people, but what's the thing that keeps me in my position or helps me get the next position up? That's not healthy fear. That's not good. Fear of what our neighbors might think about us. That is not healthy fear. That's called peer pressure, and it's something we don't want our kids to do, right? When you're raising kids up, you don't want them to do what all their friends think they should do. Why do we think that's acceptable as adults? That's not healthy fear. God may call us to do something that other people do not agree with. God may call us and lead us to do things that other people will take exception to. Who will we fear? Will we fear the people around us? Will we fear our neighbors? Will we fear those uh, in authority over us? Or will we fear God? I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are very good examples of this. When they were put in front of the image of Nebuchadnezzar and they were told to bow down, all the people of that time, they all thought, it's such a small thing, it doesn't matter, just bow down. It's kind of like in the time of Jesus, of the, well, after Jesus, but in Jesus' time as well, and then the, the disciples afterwards, to, to, to proclaim your allegiance to Caesar, all you had to do was take a pinch of incense, throw it in the fire, and say, Caesar is Lord. And there were a lot of people that thought, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, the rest of your days, you just do this thing. And you can celebrate, and you can worship all sorts of gods, it doesn't matter, but just every now and then you need to go in and worship Caesar and throw him a little pinch of incense and say, Caesar is Lord. And there are a lot of people who would say, you just got to do what you have to do, to, you know, get along to go along or go along to get along. Just do what you have to do, take care of it and move on. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they said, no, we are not going to bow down at your image. And, and the apostles said, no, we are not going to throw a pinch of incense into the fire and say, Caesar is Lord. Instead, they said, Jesus is Lord. What we can take as such a simple statement is a profound statement of faith against the powers of the world. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow down. We can say, oh, it would have been such a simple thing. It would have been so easy. Just get along. But they weren't afraid of Nebuchadnezzar. They weren't afraid of the people around them. They weren't afraid of standing out because they feared God more. And the people of their time would have looked at that and said, how foolish, how foolish. And the people today, they look at those who fear the Lord and who do the things that God calls them to do and they say, how foolish, how foolish. 
And the ways of the world, they say, no, this is wisdom. But if it is made without the fear of the Lord, and, and notice, Lord is all caps, which tells us that we're actually talking about the name of God, Yahweh, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. The wisdom of the world, the wisdom that we have uh, outside of him is not wisdom, it's foolishness. And the ways that the world works and it wants to act and operate are foolishness. And it doesn't matter how much it looks wise to us. Because the very beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's how it starts and that's how we have it. Now, what does the fear of the Lord look like? Proverbs chapter 8 tells us in verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. In other words, the fear of the Lord is to love the things of the Lord because he is not evil, he is the exact opposite. And if we hate evil, we will love good. And so wisdom says Pride, arrogance, the evil way, the perverted mouth. The mouth that does not speak truth. The mouth that is twisted and wrong, that says bad things. And we're not just talking about uh, dirty jokes when we talk about a perverted mouth. We're talking about people who do not speak the truth, who will twist the truth, who will say whatever they feel is expedient at the time. That's the fear of the Lord, to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. Just go ahead and pull your toes back for just a half a second so I don't step on them too bad. Pride, arrogance, and the evil way. You're going to have to look really hard to find a leader in America today who that does not describe. All we have had of recent as people who have been put forward as president and as vice president, well, not, not necessarily vice president. I would say Pence was fairly uh, not proud. You know, he was, he was humble in my book. But other than that, pride, arrogance, practitioners of evil ways and perverted mouths. They don't say the truth. It's been years since we've had people in office that on a regular basis spoke truth. They may have been wrong in their ideas, but at least they were being honest with us. We have given up those ideas as a people. Is it any wonder we as a nation suffer? We do not live as a nation based off of the wisdom that first comes from the fear of the Lord. There is no fear of God in the land. It leads that obviously then the decisions and the things that we do would not be wise. Maybe the world thinks they're wise, but God says no. No, the fear of the Lord begins with hating evil. And, and wisdom, this idea of wisdom is to do something skillfully. It, it's... it's is to do it wisely, you know, to, to, to have skill in something. And I would say a, a master craftsman has wisdom about that craft. 
In the same way, God is the creator of all things, and fear of Him is how we can begin to have wisdom. And it's not something that is just uh, restricted to human beings. If, if you would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11, and, and it'll be up here. You don't necessarily have to turn if you don't want to. But in, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, we're told, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. We're talking about Jesus here. The branch from the stem of Jesse, the, the shoot. Verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. Now, this is talking about Jesus and saying that he won't judge with his eyes, by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. And in other words, it's, it's not about what he sees and what he hears, but about what God says. He is going to make judgments by righteousness out of the fear of the Lord, and by righteousness he will judge the poor, and he'll decide with fairness. Not based on what he sees, not based on what he hears, not based on, in essence, circumstances, but based on God, on the Lord. I, I, just think about this for half a moment. Jesus Christ, the incarnate Word of God, God in the flesh, delighted in the fear of the Lord. He is full of the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. It's not just something for us as humans. Even Jesus operates within the fear of the Lord. When we go through the Gospels and Jesus says things like, I can't do anything on my own. I only do what I see the Father doing. We're reading it wrong if we read that as if he was a robot that can only do what God was telling him to do and he can't do anything else out. No, when he says, I can only do what I see the Father doing, I only do what I see the Father doing, he's not saying that in the sense of, I have no capacity to do anything else. He is saying that in the fullness of the freedom of who I am, I do nothing other than what I see the Father doing. It is a choice willfully every time I do what I see the Father doing. I can't do. I am not going to allow myself. I am not even considering it. It is not a possibility in my life because I choose to do the will of the Lord because the, the fear of the Lord is on him. And that word delight, just so you know, that's a weird word. It, it, it's used... Uh, it, it actually is smell. Okay, so when God smells a fragrant aroma, aroma it's that word. It, it's kind of the word that you, you, you know, what, what happens if you pick up a whiff of something? You know, it, it's sudden. It, you, you figure it out. It doesn't take a long time to think about it. The King James Version actually uh, translates it 
as uh, quick to understanding. He will be quick to understanding the fear of the Lord. The idea is, is you notice it. You're ready for it. You respond immediately. That is his response and his action. And his, he desires to follow the fear of the Lord. Jesus as an example for us is full of understanding, full of knowledge and the fear of the Lord because that's what he desires to do and that's how he goes. And that's what, that's what Proverbs is telling us here that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And notice Jesus connects these two because the second part of the verse and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, God is the creator of all things. So as our knowledge grows in God and about God, as we grow in our knowledge of the Holy One, our understanding grows. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The ability to understand why I operate the way I do, why that other person is doing what they're doing, why the world is going in the direction it is going. The best way to understand those things is to go back to the Creator. And the more I spend time with the Creator, the more I spend time following the Lord, the more time I spend reading Scripture, and, and the more time you do it as well, the better our understanding will be. The closer we get to Him, the more we know Him and understand Him, the better we will understand the world we live in. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. People who have thrown out God have thrown out the Creator. And they may be going along and doing things as best they think. But they are not doing it based on the one who has designed it all. And so our, our wisdom and our thoughts are really foolishness. And I think about this especially in the, in the realm of science. You know, scientists began as people who said, look at the world around us. Isn't God marvelous? What has God done? And they studied, how does this work, all within the realm of God. But when scientists became smarter than God, and decided they didn't need God, and decided to kick Him out, then we became foolish and depraved of minds. I've known scientists that, I, in fact, one of my, I remember a, a physics professor I had in college, he was a Christian back when he could actually still acknowledge the Bible. I mean, we're talking, you know, it's been a few years. I don't know if he could get away with this today in today's university culture. But he talked about physics and how the mathematical equations and how everything worked. And he would just pause and look up from the blackboard. We still had blackboards. And he'd say, isn't God marvelous? And then he'd continue. And I think he had tenure. It's amazing. But the science and the knowledge that he had, it pointed him back to God. It always made him say, look at how great God is, that he has created everything with such order that it works every time the same time. But so often what we have done now is we've said we don't need God. We don't need his wisdom. We don't fear God. We fear instead man. We fear the world. We fear all these other things. But no, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And even Jesus shows us how to live with the fear of the Lord. 
that we would not bow down to the powers of the world, but to stand up for them. And, and, and as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego showed, they were willing. They said, look, king, we don't need to answer you. Uh, we don't need time to think about it. If God wants to, he can save us from you. But he doesn't have to save us from you. Even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to you. And, and the wisdom of God may be a fiery furnace that he doesn't show up in with you. There have been many missionaries who have gone out to share the, God, the gospel of Jesus Christ who did not live, who were killed, as those who are full of paganism and of the world and of sin fight back against them. The idea that somehow we can go through life safely by our standard and still serve Jesus when the world is in rebellion against him is faulty. It, we have to decide which wisdom are we going to follow. The, the wisdom that begins with the fear of the Lord or the wisdom that begins with the fear of mortal things. The fear of death. The fear of a lost job or lost income. The fear of a lost home. The fear of even losing family members. Jesus told us, I'm here to set a father against a son and a son against a father. It may be that in following Jesus Christ, we lose people we love. They want nothing to do with us because we have chosen God over them. And Jesus says, yes, that is wisdom. And it may be to go to places where Christians find themselves in prison or even martyred, and that still happens today. And we want to figure out how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect ourselves with the ways of the world? I saw an article in a world magazine. It was about churches doing security team stuff. And I know we've talked about this as well. It's a chilling picture, though, when you see a group of men in their 60s who, they look Baptist. They're good Baptists, all right? decked out in semi-tactical gear with their guns drawn, doing a simulation of protecting their church building. The wisdom of the earth says, fight fire with fire. The wisdom of the earth says, protect yourselves, defend yourselves. The wisdom of the wisdom of God says, fear the Lord. And Jesus said, put up your sword. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. I wonder. And if we look in church history, the early church, they, they did not go toe-to-toe with the Romans. They went to the circus singing. They were crucified singing. They were fed to animals singing. They were set on fire singing. They defeated the world power through their love. Their love for one another, their love for God, and their love for those who were killing them. I wonder what history of the world will look like if those early Christians in the first, second, and third centuries adopted the guerrilla tactics of the Israelites 
You might remember how well that worked out for them in AD 70. I wonder how the Christians, how the world might have been had those early Christians said, we need to make sure that we've got armed guards defending our worship. I wonder. The wisdom of the Lord begins with the fear of the Lord. And it doesn't look wise to the world. And it may be God's purpose for some of His people to perish from this world in violent ways for His glory that His gospel message would be spread. And I worry that because the church would rather follow the wisdom of the world that we are missing the opportunity to serve our Lord fully. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've got to turn our sights back to Him. How does He operate? What does He do? What does He promise us? And, and, and let me just show you real quick in Psalm uh, 34, verses uh, 7 to 10, there are things that come with fearing the Lord. There, there, there's blessing in fearing the Lord. I, I've made it sound kind of harsh, I realize. Pro, uh, Psalms 34, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. Fear the Lord, you His saints. For, those, for to those who fear Him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. This, this small passage shows us three things that come for those that fear the Lord. First is God's presence. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. He, his presence will be with us if we walk with him and fear him. Those who fear the Lord have his presence with him. We don't have to worry about being outside of him. We are within him. The second thing that he gives us is that he not just gives us his presence, but he protects us. The angel of the Lord rescues them. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You take refuge in that thing which will protect you, in that person that will protect you. We're blessed if we take refuge in him, if we trust in him over and all, above all other things. The fear of the Lord says, I'm not going to focus on what my eyes see and what my ears hear. These are the circumstances as they look to me, but this is what the Word of God has said. And I'm going to trust what He says over my lying eyes. This is the one time you need to listen to his, what His mouth says and believe it over your lying eyes. Now, when a politician says, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes, they've been caught doing something. But when God says, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes, believe it. Your eyes are lying to you. Your eyes are focused on the circumstances and your eyes and your ears are saying, I don't see how we can get out of this. I don't see how we can get through this. I don't think God's going to show up. I don't know about you, but my senses lie to me on a regular basis. 
telling me that God doesn't love me because my circumstances are so tough. Telling me that God has forgotten about me. How often do your senses lie to you? And the question is, is are we going to believe that? Or are we going to believe what God says, that he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Will we take refuge in him, or are we just going to believe our lying eyes? He protects us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they acknowledged, A, God has the power to save us from the fiery furnace. B, God does not have to save us from the fiery furnace. It doesn't matter, we're still going to follow him. But he has the ability, and he has the ability to save us from whatever, whatever fiery furnace you may be facing in your life or have faced. He has the ability, A, to protect you, either from it or through it. He ended up protecting them through it. But the second part of that is, he doesn't have to. And he is still good God, and he is still going to provide for you. The brothers, James and John, sons of thunder. John is the only apostle that lived to an old age and died a natural death, even though uh, church history says that he was actually thrown into boiling oil, but he survived. His brother James, not so lucky. First apostle to go. After Stephen was martyred, James was killed by Herod with a sword. Not personally, but Herod gave the order. That persecution caused the church to grow and to spread out. God provided for both brothers equally. He cared for them and he used their lives for his glory. John happened to have time to write some letters. James did not. But God provided and protected him he was his refuge. And even though his time on this earth was shorter, his time with God has been equal. The final thing we see in this passage from Psalms is that not only does God give us his presence when we fear him and protection, but provision. For those who fear him, there is no want. They who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good I don't know about you, but one of the reasons why I can sure fear the world is because I'm worried about going hungry. How do we take care of things? How am I going to make sure I've got enough food? Let me go to Sam's and stock up. People were really afraid a couple of years ago. Remember, we were going to be in want. What was the most important thing? i got to have comfort when I go to the bathroom. I need toilet paper. I don't want to run out. You know what? You fear the Lord, you will not run, run out. It may be that you all have friends that will loan you a roll or two, get you through. But I guarantee you, he will show up. We had friends, we were starting to run low on flour back in 2020, and we had friends that brought us a 20-pound bag. Never needed it. When our flour ran out, went to the store, they had flour again. I could have bought my own. Now, we used it, don't get me wrong, but what we had lasted us as long as it needed to. And our store had flour again 
as soon as we ran out. And I saw in that God's provision. I don't need to have a storehouse. He feeds the birds every day. He tells us to, to rely upon Him for our daily bread. We're told that the man who thought, I need to build bigger barns, I need a better storehouse, what did God call him? Oh, foolish man. The world says, build yourself bigger barns. God says, that's foolish. God says, trust in me. Fear me. Don't fear your circumstances. Don't fear the world around you. The only true wisdom you can have is if first you fear me. That's why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Those who fear the Lord will know his presence, will know his protection, and will know his provision. The question for us is, do we believe him or do we trust our own eyes? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. My prayer for us today is that we would tap into the true wisdom in the world today, which is from God. That we would fear Him. Not our circumstances. Not what's going on in the world. Lots of crazy, interesting things going on in the world today. Things that we never saw before. Where are we going to turn? Who will you fear? I want to encourage you to make the, the, the wisest choice you can. And fear the Lord. Grow in your knowledge of Him that you might have better understanding of the things around you and in you. Let's say this verse again together and then we will close with a word of prayer. Proverbs 9 Verse 10, say it with me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for granting us wisdom, of showing us what true wisdom is, that it is not the things of this world, it's not the ways that we think, but it is found in you. And the beginning of it is to fear you. And, and Lord, we acknowledge that there are so many times in our lives when we have feared other people, we have feared other circumstances, we have feared so many things that are not you. And we ignore you at times and we turn away from you and we run away from you because we're afraid of other things. Maybe we're afraid of being caught in our sins so we try to hide, but we can't hide from you. Lord, instead, I pray that we would hide in you, that we would seek refuge in you, that we would fear you with a reverence, that it would be our desire to do the things that glorify your name. Lord, as we look at the world, as we make decisions, may we begin those decisions not off of what is expedient, maybe what would profit us the most, but off of what glorifies you. Lord, may you be the beginning of all of our decisions and all of our thoughts. May we fear you. May we fear going against you, sinning against you, turning away from you.
bringing dishonor to your name. We pray, Father, that you would help us to grow in our knowledge of you. That we would grow deeper with you, Lord. And in so doing, that we would understand the world and ourselves and you so much better. We thank you, Father, for creating us and giving us life. We thank you for calling us after your Son, giving us life in Him. We pray, Lord, that we would live these lives in wisdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.